Hello and welcome to The Ungrind with Moody Algareri. Today's episode is going to be about startup gurus and untimely advice. And what I want to say about this is, as a kid, I always wished I had someone to guide me because I grew up with family in very different parts of the world, in different cultures, in different religions. And I would move between these different cultures and different locations and sometimes between different socioeconomic groups. And as a kid, I didn't understand about context switching and those norms being very different. So it seemed like the rules of what was good and what was bad would change very randomly And there was always this anxiety that any minute now I would get a look or some kind of social neg that I was doing something wrong. And because I was fundamentally a good kid, maybe an annoying kid, but a fundamentally good kid, like most of us tend to be good, um, I, I really didn't want that. And I was always hoping that someone would just, you know, it really give me more advice than I was able to get. Because of course, you know, the adults around you, they also don't know what's going on either. They're navigating this stuff too. And also because, you know, um, I think a lot of us are socialized to be seen and not heard as kids. Um, so I kind of knew that there, I couldn't really ask necessarily for help around me. But what this meant was I was very, very open to um, to the internet <laughs> and its wealth of advice. And all these people in who were having stories about success and and every every person before the internet, it was of course books, you know, and um, people who who swore up and down this was the way that they got out of X situation or changed their life. And what I've seen in the time since I've been in this industry is that a lot of people who are doing startups are also looking for the same kind of guidance and help. And they're also investing a lot in trusting people and that this is the one true way of doing things and often repeating this mantra of it worked for this company and it worked for that company and this is how everyone does it and this is how it will work. You know, it's a kind of a faith in the process that other people have done. And this can this can work depending on whose advice you're following. And oh that's my bird Floki. And um what it is you're trying to do. And the business model you have. Because um, if what you're doing is you're just looking to start something and then cash out after a few years and start something else, a lot of that advice probably will work for you. And there's nothing wrong if that is what you want to do. It's a bit like there's people who, who buy property and then they flip it. And that for them is really fun and it's very exciting. And it means that they always have a new project and it 
you know, bring some money on as well. So they love that. I think, you know, there's nothing wrong. If that's what you want to do, go ahead and do that. If you can do it, do that, you know, absolutely. But some of us are not looking to do that. We are trying to build a business. We're trying to build something sustainable. We're looking for something that brings money in regularly. And we want to grow that business and we want it to be secure and solid and profitable, right? So a lot of that advice does not apply to what we are trying to do, especially when you look at how some of these startups have fared and they're still not profitable. Some of them are glorified Ponzi schemes. Some of them have collapsed totally. And you have to ask yourself, is this really relevant for what you're trying to do? Because I see a lot of people still trying to be like them, still trying to use the same marketing techniques. And these are businesses that were often started in 2005, 2006, 2008. Do you know how much has changed realistically since then? You cannot get the same return on investments that you did using the same methods. Like in 2000 and let's say 2005, you could, you could be a blogger and that would be all it took to get a book deal and become an influencer. You could, you could actually rely on inbound marketing to bring in a lot of attention to your site. You can't really do that today, especially not for people in certain segments like lifestyle and food blogging because it's been so abused now that the search engines, oh, the search engine Google right now, um, had to implement different SEO options to filter out things that may not be factual. They decided that, wow, there's a lot of bad health advice going around the internet and that makes us look bad because we're bringing it to people in our search engine. So we need to start penalizing sites that are not factual. And that kind of killed a lot of food bloggers overnight, new, new food bloggers, people without followings. So you can't follow the advice that someone did more than, I don't know, two years ago. I mean, people who are quite profitable today will be very honest and say, look, I started my business out with Instagram stories or Facebook ads, but I don't think it would work for you today because it's not bringing the same returns. And we just saw, I can't remember the name of the company, but it does those um, those scooters, those pavement scooters, and it just folded. And all these people are not going to get their money back because it, they have nothing to return. They placed orders. The orders will never be fulfilled. And it's really tragic because they put all their money into Facebook ads thinking it would result in sales. And I could have, like, you know, I don't have that founder's pedigree, right? But I could have told them right off the bat that you can't expect those kind of results from Facebook ads today. And it's not, it's not trashing anyone who uses Facebook ads. I'm just saying that we are in a very different landscape right now. Things do not go viral anymore. Not in the way they do. When they do go viral, there are a lot of, there's a lot of skepticism. People start looking at terms and conditions. They look at who the founders are. They start looking at where you're based. They start looking. They, it's not the same climate that we were in previously. You couldn't launch Facebook today 
and get Facebook success. The second thing is that because a lot of the big companies are so much bigger now than they were in the past, the best you can hope for is just to get acquired by them. And that may seem like a good deal for you. But again, if you're trying to run a sustainable business and you want money to come in, you may not want that. So you, you need to be really careful about believing too much in other people's strategies, right? And you need to be really realistic about what it is that will move your idea forwards. Because in the end of the day, all people can do, right? And I'm, I'm one of those people who love signing up for courses, right? And I, I don't ever think it's a bad idea to do that because I think as long as you learn something you didn't know, you get return on your investment. But it is a mistake to think you're going to get the results that people got through that strategy, right? Because you are not in the same place that they started at. You are not in the same time they started at. Um, and to be honest, just because something works for someone doesn't mean it will work for you. We are often received differently. Women, unfortunately, still don't have the ability to negotiate with the same results in a job interview and get the same results that men do. I'm not the one making these these claims up. This is just what we find when we actually analyze people's um, interview performances and how they're received afterwards. I don't think that's going to stay that way. I think it's already changed a lot since that was published. It's going to change more. But it's just one example of there are things we can't control. And it's not about getting angry about those things. It's just about being realistic about the fact that there is an element that people can communicate with us, which is, here's what I think worked for me. And an element we can't account for, which is, will it work for me too? And it's also important to remember that people are very unaware of what actually does contribute to their success a lot of the times. Um, there was, I, I do feel bad quoting psychological studies because uh, we have to acknowledge that there is a replication problem in psychology. But I have seen this in a couple of instances already. Like there was more than one study that was similar, but not entirely the same. But essentially, uh, the study I'm thinking of is they gave a bunch of students random grades, right? <laughs> I don't know how they do this ethically, but okay. They, they basically had a bunch of students and they distributed grades randomly. Some got very high grades, some got very poor grades. Didn't have anything to do with the work um, put in. Then they asked them what they think contributed to their grades. And you're going to already predict what's going to happen. We, we already know that we have a self-blame bias. When things go wrong, we blame ourselves. Um, so everyone who got poor grades, they started blaming themselves for not working harder. Or even when they had worked incredibly hard, they started blaming themselves for soft skills. Uh, like maybe I should have network more maybe i should have asked more questions of my colleagues maybe i should have studied in groups they started like fabricating extra reasons that maybe they couldn't do whereas the people who got very high grades even though it was completely unrelated to effort they also started coming up with all these reasons that maybe they deserved it even including the fact that they acknowledged that some of them didn't study very much they would you know, justify that, yeah, this this absolutely seemed right. I'm just, you know, 
a fast learner or other things. So people are very unaware of what really contributes to their success. And you, you can only get what you think. You can only ever get out of these these medium articles and these write-ups and stuff like that, what people believe contributed to their success. And you can be aware of that intellectually, right? But I just don't want anyone to, in the back of their mind, think, well, we need to get all this stuff done before we can need to get all this stuff done that they did before we can start our idea. Because it can become uh, a distraction, right? And it can become an excuse to not make steps forward. And your brain is always going to try and protect you from failure. So what you need to do is you need to actually kind of push everything that everyone else has done out of the way and just really accept that it has nothing to do with you. Everything that came before has nothing to do with what you're doing right now. It's fine if you want to take advice on here. Here's like the top three things I learned about negotiating contracts. Now, that could be relevant to you. But don't take their overall strategy and take it as this is how it's going to be. And if I can't do it, it means I'm, I'm just not cut out for this. So here's what I want you to think about instead. And for this purpose, I'm going to assume that you're a person who wants to have a sustainable business. You're not looking to get invested and then sell it to a bigger company. I'm just going to assume that you want to make this business, your startup idea is something that you really want to be working in for at least the medium term. You know, you may not know if you want to work for it forever, but this is like how you see your job. It's going to be your job for a while, your full-time job. So what I want you to do is instead to break down your idea into something you can start right now. And it might be that your idea is something like, um, I have my own app, my own product, my own digital thing. It's out in the world. Maybe you can simplify this into something that you don't actually need to build just yet. Is it a service? If it's a service, maybe you can kind of get some clients and deliver that service. If it's something new, right? If it's something new and innovative, maybe you can test out the thinking that would need to go into the app by offering a service for like one or two clients and getting that feedback from them and refining how your app would need to work by based on what it is they want from your service. Because if you're starting from zero, it can be overwhelming to think, wow, I need to do all this research. I need to do market validation. I need to find programmers. I need to find an office space. Start small. Start, break it down into something you can start right now. What is the simplest way that you can start to interact with your audience and get their feedback and understand what they need, what they want, what they, what it is you will invest money in later. And a lot of times I see that people will recommend that you kind of code up your product, um, get up your minimum viable product, and then you start to validate it. You do market validation on the product 
once it's actually developed. This is so expensive to do. Unless you are a coder yourself and you can do it yourself, paying someone else to understand what you want to happen and then refining the idea into working the way you want it to work and then only after that testing it out on uh, say a focus group or or a bunch of alpha testers, it's just a very big risk. If you start the other way around, test out the idea, test out the service, test it out even if it's just a PDF or a sequence of emails, if you can get that in early, it's going to save you a lot of time and a lot of money. And then you can use that and the, the advice you get from it to go into that first coded up version because when 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 they do it the other way around what actually happens is yeah it turns out that you're going to need to make a bunch of changes a bunch of your suppositions aren't actually going to play very well in the real world so you have to change it again and maybe there's another round of changes you need on top of that and you're still paying someone if if you're not a coder yourself you're still paying someone to work for you all of that time Another way you can do things is to simplify the actual delivery process. Instead of, for example, needing your own platform for, say, uh, an e-course or uh, a portal of courses, maybe you can just use something simple like a mailing list and linking to a bunch of YouTube videos that are delisted. So. The only people who get hold of them are people who are on your mailing list. I'm just trying to encourage you to think in terms of less impressive ways of getting your idea out there, getting that feedback, getting that validation, getting a little bit of money for your effort, because it's very tempting to want to be recognized and seen as equal to our heroes and want to do things the exact way they did them. But I want you to look around and notice all the ways people are actually getting started. They're not necessarily waiting for everything to be launched and perfect. They're getting started now in a lot of cases. Or they're testing out the idea with a kind of a no-code platform, which is just something that is like linking to a PDF. Or um, there's so many examples of no-code startups that I would encourage you to look into as well. But always be thinking in terms of how can I get, how can I reach my audience? How can I get them to talk to me? How can I get them to tell me if this idea is serving their need or not? How can I do that without investing too much in subcontractors and research? and paying people to come in and test things out. You want to keep it so that you can actually breathe financially, okay? There's going to be a time where you will need bigger things like marketing and branding and email campaigns that are very slick, but that isn't relevant in the beginning stages. What you need is just to connect with your audience and get that feedback so you can refine your idea. And you're going to do that over and over and over again until you're sure that it's viable. And that is the most important thing, right? A lot of people think it's going to be this amazing idea. 
I'm just going to wake up in the middle of the night. I'm going to have this amazing idea and I need to keep it quiet in case someone else gets the idea too. And I need to do it fast because it, the clock is ticking. And if I don't get my idea out there perfect and complete, you know, it won't survive. I have news for you. A lot of those great innovative ideas are dead now. The first doesn't really mean anything. Sorry, Nike, but that isn't, you know, we've seen that Nike ad where it says first, maybe it wasn't Nike, but I think it was Nike, where it said first is everything. In reality, first doesn't mean anything. Otherwise, Flickr wouldn't be sending out emails begging us to subscribe to it. It was the first public, um, I think Flickr was, in fact, maybe SmugMug was around, but Flickr was the first one that made sharing photos online easy and delightful and nice. And where is your pro Flickr account? Because I don't have one. I use Google. It's on my phone. I'm on an iPhone and I'm still using Google Photos for backup. All right. So don't think that first means anything. It means something at the time. MySpace was the first. Orkut was the first, maybe, possibly before MySpace. They, they don't exist anymore. What's going to keep you alive is being better and being in touch with what the audience actually wants. And it turned out that what the audience actually wanted in the case of Flickr wasn't necessarily to host their DSLR photos. They just wanted something that made their digital photos easy to share. And of course, that's where Instagram came in. And Instagram won't be around forever either. You know, we're already finding that Instagram is filled with ads and that TikTok is much more fun. And we'll see how those, those things adapt. So first doesn't really mean anything. What matters is getting in touch with the audience and staying in touch with them and getting some money in so that you're not dependent on investors. Because a lot of times the other thing is I notice people get really excited about these um, Twitter threads and medium posts where people talk about how how hard they had to suffer and how hard they had to work until they got that first round of investment, until they got the security they needed to really develop their idea. And these things are always published in ways that make it sound like, wow, our struggle has now been justified. But this is the very start of their business. They haven't actually done anything yet. They're just getting money to get started, right? <laughs> what people fail to share as widely is the fact that a lot of those same people, if you follow those businesses, you get like five years and then the we're shutting down message because their idea wasn't profitable. So you really do need to filter your, your ideas for viability as early as, as possible. And that is the danger that investments... You can convince people to invest in you and it will protect you from having to deal with the reality of maybe your idea being great, but just it not being something what people are willing to invest in. You need to start now with getting that validation and making it something you can actually see a bit of income in, that you have room to breathe, that you're not chasing the next round of investment over and over and over again. Because when you do that, you cannot focus on the idea. Once you, once you need to grow exponentially, you can't focus on the idea anymore. You're just focused on growth. And what it takes for you to get more users is not the same as what it takes for you to make it the best product in the world. It's like being loved versus being popular. 
those two things may not overlap as much or getting attention put it this way being an attention seeker being worth being or being someone who would be a, a good partner in a relationship right because every every product out there we have a relationship with our audience and when that relationship is no longer fulfilling we terminate that subscription cost this is something that like Netflix and Amazon know when they start fulfilling our needs we no longer pay for them and we move on to something that does so those are just things i want you to think about now and you can ask me like a more you can ask me for more details if you have a specific problem or if you would like more steps i know that this has been kind of vague because uh, I'm trying to think of different business types to talk about. But if you have something specific, drop me a voice note in Anchor and I'll get back to you. Okay, thank you for listening and see you next time. Bye. You've been listening to Ungrind with Moody Algarari. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please feel free to share with a friend and subscribe. Thank you so much and catch you next time.